and now an ad from dad <clears throat> all right save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive can i take these off all right what is this this looks good wow that's what man where did you get this i'm talking to you with the hair yeah where did you get this it's good stuff that's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. <laughs> guess who's back? Back again, I guess. Hey. Yeah. Look how cool that was, guys. It's like a, it's like a wrap. But for football. Anyways, Rich, we are going to go for take three on talking to us about wide receivers and running backs drafting in the best ball. What's up, buddy? Yeah, so like I said, we want to stay in that coin flip realm of probability per position for roster construction. You know, five to six running backs is the sweet spot. Uh, four or less, which I'll let Beers get into, is where things start to get interesting and fun with his anti-fragility builds. Uh, you know, wide receivers, um, basically seven and eight are the hot spots. You can go six through nine and still kind of hang around in that 40 to 50%, just under 50%. And then tight ends are two and three, and usually two or three dictates by what you did earlier in the position. Uh, if you've drafted two you know, strong tight end, tight end one types, you're not going to draft a third tight end. But if you know you've gotten our boy Kobe Fleener, you've gotten our other guy Jared Cook, uh, you know, you're going to want to take you know, those, those guys, those three tight ends, you know, to increase the variance that the position has and the low floors that all those guys provide. So, I mean, that's what you want to say. In, the, in, the, in that bucket of realms, two, three quarterbacks, five to six running backs, you know, seven to eight receivers, you know, then you can kind of uh, dapple along there. I mean, if you're talking about, um, you know, a lot of variants, I don't think anything is more variant into than playing Kobe Fleener or Jared Cook because we tried that last year and, uh, well, we're still doing shows, man. Oh, what a miracle. So, Beers, you kind of have a little different strategy with this, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the Rich said the most important thing, which was, um, you know, how many you take at each of these positions is really about, you know, who you took early in the draft. So when I go into a draft, I don't have a plan. Like I, you know, I'm not thinking I'm going to start with, uh, or I'm going to do seven wide receivers and five running backs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I see what value falls in the first few rounds. So, um, you know, if I start out with four straight wide receiver picks, then I'm going to be on the low end of the wide receiver range. Maybe I'd stop at six or seven instead of going eight or nine. Um, and I'm going to need more running backs um, because they're not going to be as good. And you're trying to pile up as many big weeks as you can. Um, and you have a lot of flexibility there. Um, you know, uh, Rich mentioned the, uh, the idea of three running backs, um, which is something that people don't really do. I wrote an article um, for Rotoviz about it last year. And um, the idea was, you know, last year everybody was scared of running backs um, because of what happened in 2015. And that just created value at the top of the draft. You could get three of the, uh, you know, the elite guys at the very beginning. My idea was you could stop there because you'd invested enough capital at running back. And if those guys stayed healthy, you had a good shot at winning if you loaded up at all the other positions. Uh, now, you would never use three running backs if you took all of them after the 10th round. Um, so that's um, – you really – you have to be able to adjust as you, you know, as the draft plays out. Um, I've got all my, you know, I've got my favorite values, uh, the guy, the guys I'm targeting. And if I'm able to get them, they're going to point me one direction or the other. If I, if I get Rob Gronkowski, uh, 
you know, late in the second round, early third round, I'm only going to have two tight ends. I know that right off the bat. Um, if I, if I end up taking one of the first quarterbacks, um, they're pretty expensive on draft right now. But, uh, you know, if say I did take Drew Brees in the, you know, fourth or fifth round, I'm only going to have two quarterbacks. I'm not going to go for three. Uh, and you know, you just, I'm just paying attention to that as the draft goes on. And, um, I'm going to wind up in those ranges that Rich talked about. Um, but, where in those ranges is going to be different in every single draft. Okay. So what you're saying is that let's say I'm doing a draft and I get three stud running backs early. It's not going to make a lot of sense for me just to get running backs later because those later running backs, they're simply not that great of a chance. They're going to be outscoring those early guys. And if they are, well, then my first round picks have already screwed me. So uh, what's the bleeping point at that point, I guess. Rich, is that pretty much what you were taking from that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to let the front of the draft play out where you take your guys uh, at, at the best values, ADP values that you find, what the draft comes to you. You let that dictate what you're going to do for its terms of roster construction. Because if you're going to do a bunch of these to in terms of prob, uh, profitability, you're going to probably be doing, you know, 30 plus, uh, you know, for the season. Um, and what's cool about draft two, as opposed to a site like my fantasy league is the rake is a little is, is lighter there. Uh, so you get a little extra coin in your pocket, you know, if you're winning those leagues, you know, 108 as opposed to 100 and, and so on and the subsequent values. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're going to you're going to want to take um, let the, the front of your draft dictate the shape of your roster. OK, well, let's go ahead and talk about ADP. Let's talk about some ADP trends, Mike. And, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, they used to hearing value in DFS terms. They're saying, oh, well, this player is 4K. I think he's going to put up 8X. So let's play him. ADP, it's a little bit different as far as what we're talking about value. So go ahead and explain what ADP value you're talking about and kind of, you know, where that comes from. Sure. Um, yeah, and I actually, um, I wrote an article about this that just came out on uh, Roto-Grinders today. And, um, you know, ADP average draft position is basically, I look at it as the price of the player. Uh, you know, when you go to, uh, you go to the supermarket, there are going to be prices on every item. Um, that's what people are generally paying for them. But, um, you know, and the list when you go into the draft room is sorted in that order. Uh, you know, people see uh, a player at the top of that list and they, you know, that's telling them everyone else thinks this guy is, a, you know, is probably the best player to take next. And that, that drives them to take the next. And it creates this reinforcing um, cycle. And, you know, what we need to do is look past that and um, see that, you know, some of these players are only at the top of that list because they started at the top of that list. And a lot of the players at the bottom are really great values. They're going to do better than the guys at the top. And what, um, you know, we're trying to identify who those guys are. Uh, for example, um, one guy I particularly like in this format is Martavis Bryant. And um, his ADP in the first week or so was something like, you know, ninth or 10th round. Uh, it's crept up now because people have sort of figured it out. But uh, that's a screaming value to me. I mean, this guy um, in a best ball format, we don't have to worry about, um, you know, yeah, there's the risk that he gets suspended or whatever. But um, even if he does, you've got six other wide receivers who are going to cover him. Um, and if you get, you know, eight weeks, half the season at his, uh, you know, with his kind of upside, multiple touchdowns, huge playability, uh, you know, that's worth uh, a fifth round pick at, you know, at, at the latest, I think, you know, so I, I was grabbing him in every draft I got into at the beginning and, and just keeping your eyes open for that kind of thing. There are a lot of guys who are just in the wrong place on this ADP list. Um, and, you know, 
It's the people who are really doing their homework who are going to fix that. And they're going to profit in the meantime. Okay. You mentioned something about Martavis Bryant. Now this is, he's not normally a guy like I would say, okay, I'm doing season long. I got to go out and get Martavis Bryant. That's not something I would normally think of, but in this format, Rich, we're looking at a system where it's going to put your best team together. That's your score for the week. Go for it. So a guy like Martavis Bryant, he could really screen, you know, really stand off the page in this sort of format, right, Rich? Yeah. If you're a more of a risk averse seasonal drafter, like I am, that kind of plays just right. I want to hone in on the mean and let the, and let the, uh, the other blocks play themselves out. I want to play in the edge of probability uh, in my seasonal leagues, but in here, second place doesn't pay. You know, you can't get, you don't can't get close to the cup, man. You've got to put it in. Only play pays one spot. You've got to win the leagues. So you want to swerve into that that realm of volatility with these players, Martavis Bryant, the Deshaun Jacksons, guys with big spike weeks, because you don't have to worry about sitting on their eggs. You're going to have you know five or six other receivers that that will occupy your roster spot so you want to chase those big ceiling weeks and in the format really allows you to mix up your play like for someone like me I can get the guys that I'm kind of down on but I know have a high outcome in the range of outcomes a guy like Brandon Cooks I'm not really in love with this year for seasonal because I think his floor is lower than it appears but in these I'm going to get my exposure to Brandon Cooks you know in in these draft only leagues um so I mean that's what you want to do swerve into the volatility chase those high ceilings because you're not paying out you know second through fourth place in these so I mean you absolutely want to uh, chase those high variance players yeah we Ricky Bobby this thing man we don't need to we don't need to be playing for second place you ain't first you are last so Mike we talked about uh you know the the uh the prices where these guys are being drafted how that kind of changes over time what causes a player's average draft position, the ADP, to change? Uh, you know, I think part of it is just, uh, the, the, you know, the composition of the, of the people playing, right? So um, a lot of the drafts I've done, both on draft so far and, um, you know, on my fantasy league uh, early in the offseason, you have a lot of people who are really into football <laughs> like we are, right? You know, um, yeah. And, and you know, there are other people who are saying, you know, you know, why are you guys doing a show about football in June? You know, and, and where I was drafting at the end of March. Um, <laughs> this is late for you. Saying, yeah, why no, don't we wait until June to do the football show? Yeah, I've already done about 50 of these drafts. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, by the time August comes around, you've got a lot more of the people who are more casual um, and they they approach drafts differently, you know. Um, uh, the best example is quarterbacks. Uh, you see quarterbacks almost every year I've seen, they get more expensive as you get closer to the season. Um, there's, you know, a lot of the sort of analytics community has uh, moved toward drafting quarterbacks late. Um, and it's especially a good strategy in best ball, I think, where, you know, you can put three of them together and sort of Frankenstein a good quarterback out of their best weeks. Um, so, uh, you know, early on now they're, they're a little bit less expensive usually uh, because you have more people who are more inclined to wait uh, in your leagues. So, you know, I might end up taking more of the earlier guys, the Aaron Rodgers, the breeze. Um, they've actually been pretty expensive on drafts so far. So I've been avoiding them, but um, you know, that's the kind of thing that can, can cause ADP to move. Another thing, another more obvious thing is breaking news, right? Um, Kenneth Dixon, for example, was, uh, you know, a much more uh, appealing and expensive draft pick, uh, you know, 
before news broke of his four game suspension. And he fell, you know, maybe six rounds in ADP. Um, that was, you know, that was before draft even launched, but, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you got to keep an eye on. And he's one of the guys I actually really like. And again, because of the format, uh, you know, I know I'm not going to have him for four weeks, but I know I am going to have five, four or five other running backs on my team scoring points during those four weeks. I'm not yeah, going to get way, zero. That, that really worked out for Le'Veon Bell people last year. Who went no, exactly. That exact same approach. Yep, and Tom Brady as well. Yeah. Um, it was it was huge for him. And uh, you know, you just understanding that you know, you know that risk or that downside ends at at week five is really important. You know, there there are other things uh, to consider. You know, the fact that he's going to miss the first four games, just being a part of the team, you just, can you ease him back in or whatever? I don't know. But the fact is he's a starting running back and he's going in the, you know, 11th round right now. Uh, I'm going to grab him almost every time as my fourth or fifth running back and happily. Um, and you just got to, you know, pay attention to those kind of things because, um, you know, that, that's that one piece of news can cause a huge shift in the price of a player. Okay, so let's talk now about some of these players because we kind of gave you guys the overall, this is what best ball is. But Rich, we're finally going to have to have some fun because we're going to talk about some very specific players, which I always love doing. So let's talk about some of the offseason angles. I want to start off with wide receivers because we've got some big names in some different places. We know Deshaun Jackson, he went to Tampa. Alshon, he's to the Eagles. You already mentioned Brandon Cooks going to New England. The Giants, they signed Brandon Marshall, which I didn't know until very recently. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I was looking at like, really? I don't know how I missed that, but I did. So, Rich, which one of these wide receivers do you think is going to end up having the biggest impact on their new team? Well, I mean, the, I think that we, we started to hint about it. Like, Brandon Cooks is kind of a, an interesting guy. I mean, many will view, you know, Cooks' move to New England as kind of a lateral scenario, but it's not quite the entire story. I mean, there's inherently less passing volume to go around in his new surroundings. I mean, since, since Cooks entered the league in 2014, the Patriots have run 216 fewer pass plays than the Saints have. Uh, from a fantasy scoring perspective, the Saints have scored – 439 more PPR points as an offense over the same span uh, between their skill, skill guys. I mean, as good as Cooks has been to start his career, uh, the bottom line is he's going to have to be an even better player in New England and occupy a larger share of the team targets than he did uh, in New Orleans to roll over the same fantasy relevancy, you know, as he's had to kind of make up for that overall team volume and loss and passing opportunity uh, and fantasy scoring. I mean, the other kind of like interesting thing with Cooks um, is that his production has kind of been tied to game conditions so far. We've, we know from playing DFS, we've always kind of the, the Drew Brees, home road, bugaboos. I mean, Cooks is a guy that's only averaged, you know, 58 yards per game with just four touchdowns and 12 games outdoors. Um, he's never played a game below 58 degrees in his NFL career uh, to this point. Uh, he was a guy that played in Oregon. So, I mean, that's just happenstance. I think being the Saints, that, that stuff will work its way out. Um, but he's a guy I think that's going to have these big spike weeks with it inherently through the Patriots offense, but have a lot of low weeks too. So, I mean, he's a guy I'm going to, like I said, target in these leagues to get my exposure to Brandon Cooks and let other people draft him and redraft and ride those weeks um, that you're going to have to plug him into your lineup and take those lower, those lower point totals. So, I mean, he's a guy that, like I said, I'm looking to take in these, um, the high variance ceiling. You know, another guy who's, a, you know, set old face in a new place, Mike, that might be Deshaun Jackson. And he's also the kind of player that you want to target in these sort of drafts, isn't he? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I feel like he's undervalued every single year in best ball. Um, and I can't figure out why, because he, he's the prototype. 
I mean, he's the the big splash play. Uh, the you know, he disappears for a week or two at a time, and then he comes back with uh, you know, 150 yards and a touchdown that he got over you know three catches. Um, and you know, the move to um, move to Tampa, I don't think is is a minus for him. I don't think it's a plus or a minus, to be honest. Um, you know, he goes from being the number one option to the number two there, but he also has, um, you know, he's not drawing the top coverage anymore. He's still, he's still got the deep speed. He's, he's great at tracking deep ball and, and Winston's going to look for him. You know, he's a, he's another prime example that, um, you know, because you're going to have so many guys on your roster, it's fine, you know, to, to, have him in there you don't have to guess which week he's going to blow up um and i'm targeting guys like that all day um you know a little later in the draft i mean we were just talking about cooks and the the space he vacated over new orleans um ted ginn is another guy yeah who you know people you talking you about know, a prototype of, for this kind of league like ted yeah, no I, exactly you know and yep. nfl sort of you know film or purists or whatever hate ted ginn you know, uh, you know, he's, he's got bad hands. Um, you know, it, the, people make jokes about his drops, but it doesn't matter because he's going to make those splash plays. He's going to have, you know, uh, 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I don't care if he did it on one catch. You know, that's enough to get in my starting lineup, and I'm getting him in double-digit rounds in these drafts. Um, I mean, that's great production, even if it only happens a handful of times a year. Yeah, you know, somebody in the chat, Rich, just said, you're going to draft Ted Ginn, but not Brandon Cooks. But this is kind of goes back to what we talked about as far as ADP. You oh, can no, we're get... taking Cooks. <laughs> well, I, okay, we're taking <laughs> Cooks, that's true. But, like, a guy like Brandon Cooks, he's got to go quite a bit earlier than Ted Ginn would, isn't he, Rich? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you 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 could get some of these guys like Ted Ginn or, like, a Brashad Perriman. I mean, he's higher than Ted Ginn is. But these guys that have these, um, you know, more wider range of outcomes per week, um, lower in the drafts and um, we can also kind of swerve that into where floors come into play in these as well because we've just been talking about these high variance guys um, but like Peter's talked about it could come on one play if you look at these last year on winning teams only uh, just nine nine wide receiver points you had a 50 percent chance of be- making a starting lineup on teams that won leagues in, in these last year in festival format uh, so that's not a lot of points. I mean, you you can so floor players are are guys that still matter as well. I just shop for four players in these the later as we go on in drafts. That's where I try to hunt for my projections meet value uh, in terms of ADP. You know, a guy like maybe like Robert Woods or like last year Cole Beasley. These are guys that will help your win rate out because they're roster smoothers. That's when your Deshaun Jackson drops your zero. Your your dinky nine Cole Beasley points come in and slide into your lineup. Um, so, I mean, that's where I like, I like to shop with variants early. I want those big ceilings. That's why those guys are priced there in the first place because of those gigantic splash weeks. Uh, and then you can shop for these guys later on, you know, the Jason Wittens of the world, these boring guys, no one wants these guys. Um, because, but they'll, they'll, they'll smooth out your lineup, you know, uh, given the weeks. I mean, if you go down the line, so nine wide receiver points gave you 50% chance to make your lineup. If you scored 12 points at wide receiver, I you had a 75% chance to make the lineup as these guys can come into play and, and help out your rosters. Muhammad Sanu, another guy like that. Yeah, he's a good man, that Muhammad Sanu. And <laughs> he to is. The, and, and to the chat, uh, no, Brandon Cooks is not going to be a, I'm not kidding, somebody actually said this, a Randy Moss-Wes Welker hybrid. Ooh. 
That's, I mean, that's. I understand yeah. we're doing a late show chat, but you don't have to be drunk <laughs> to watch it, man. Come on, guys. What are you I doing? I mean, but but to but to be legit about why I want to get Cooks, I think Cooks does have a wide receiver one season in this range of outcomes that it does exist. Yeah. Like him him going nuclear in this offense does exist. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not like a foregone conclusion, as some would you know inherently believe going from the Saints to the Patriots would be. Yeah, people are just right. in love with them. Yeah, well, you know, the angle that I'm playing with the, the whole Cooks thing is um, I'm just moving Brady way up. I mean, you know, you give him another weapon. I mean, they didn't they didn't really, you know, lose anybody to make room for him. Um, you know, Gronk's coming back healthy. And, um, you know, I'm going to have some Cooks exposure, but, you know, I'm, I, Brady is my, I think, QB2 after um, Rodgers right now because that offense is just loaded. And, you know, if something does happen to one of those guys, you know, I mean, Gronk's got an injury history, then, uh, like Rich said, I mean, it's, it, that's within the range of outcomes for yeah. Cooks, he could explode in that case, you know, um, uh, you know, or, or Edelman going down or something like that. Um, but, you know, the constant there is Brady, and that, that's really the angle I've taken. If I'm drafting an earlier quarterback, um, he's usually the guy I'm going for. Yeah, you know, that's a great point because I, I'm always a big fan of just getting exposure to these offenses. It doesn't have to be the number one option, the top running back, whatever. But these teams that score a lot, I love to get exposure to them. And you've talked about, we don't know a lot of the weeks who it's going to be on New England, like every other year. Is it going to be Cooks? Is it going to be Edelman? Is it going to be Hogan? I mean, who knows? But the one concept, like you said, is Brady. So, Rich, who are some other guys that you're focusing on this year that are, you know, new face or old faces, new places? Who else are you paying attention to a lot? Well, this is where I'm also trying to mix in my exposure to Marshawn Lynch. I mean, this is – he's he's really creeping up now to a point where I just don't I – I won't be able to draft him in redraft. I just – his range of outcomes is just going to be so wide that there's no – he's probably going to be a second rounder come August in your regular redraft leagues. So now – I mean, Seriously? He started, I mean, there was a – we knew that – when the news first dropped that he would might have might Seattle might move him and he wanted to play for Oakland, he was he basically was undrafted. You could just take some shots and sprinkle them into, you know, rosters. Then he kind of got to the sixth, seventh round, and then he got kind of like the third, fourth, and now he's getting to like the mid-third. So he is moving up there. I mean, the last time we saw Lich, though, I mean, he only played seven games. He averaged 3.8 yards per carry. You can tell me that his offensive line was bad in Seattle, but an undrafted rookie came behind the same offensive line and just went nuclear uh, and helped people win fantasy leagues. Like, that's not a great excuse. Um, yeah, that, but, and that undrafted uh, rookie wasn't even that good, by the way. Well, well, I mean, he was good then, but, I mean, we don't have a lot of <laughs> – he, was, he wasn't good last year, but he was, he was great then. Um, but we don't have a lot of examples of guys taking a year off the running position, running back position and coming back. I mean, we had Ricky Williams do it uh, in 2005 at age 28. He came back and was the RB27. I mean, John Riggins did it way back uh, in the 80s. I mean, but we can paint a picture where the Oakland situation is a good one. So we can't discard Lynch completely if you want to play for that range of outcomes. I mean, you look at Latavius Murray. He had more than a share of issues as a runner. Um, We all know those. But he's a usable fantasy asset because the Raiders provided a litany of scoring opportunities, something Lynch is more than capable of taking advantage of, whether uh, Pete Carroll realizes or not. Um, You know, if if he doesn't regain his career form, it doesn't matter. Murray had 17 carries uh, from inside the five-yard line last season, which was ranked sixth, and he missed time. So, I mean, Lynch is probably going to be selected way earlier than I'll ever be able to stomach and redraft. But, I mean, he's a guy I'm going to try to get some exposure in these because I want to chase some of that touchdown uh, upside range of uh, possibilities behind this uh, Raiders offense. Beer, where do you stand on uh, on Beer? Wow. Mike, where do you stand on uh, where do you stand on Lynch? Because I look at it, I say, 
he's going to get drafted before I would ever be yeah. willing to draft him in every in best ball in redraft in whatever I am. I am so hands off with Marshawn Lynch. I don't like the idea of a guy just taking a year off from football and say, Oh, I guess I can go play it now. I don't think it works that way. So Mike, where do you stand on Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys. I mean, he he's expensive I mean, he's getting more expensive. Uh, I, I wish I'd gotten him, uh, you know, I've been buying him a little earlier in the off season, but we're already at that point where if I'm picking Marshawn, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like closing my eyes and, and hitting the button on the computer. Um, you know, I, it's a, if he's the last guy you know, at the end of a tier and, um, you know, I might put him on the team because of that touchdown upside. Um, you know, I, it's, they're going to be, they're going to have a lot of opportunities. They've got a good passing game. They've got a great O-line. It, it's going to happen if he can stay healthy, but um, you know, trying to project the number of carries he's going to get, you know, how healthy he's going to stay. I mean, at his age with a year off, I I'm just, I'm not trying to do that. And I'm going to let somebody else pay. I mean, I would, I would love to have him several rounds later for the upside, but that's just not an option anymore. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's how I feel like if I could get him in maybe like, I don't know, a few rounds later. All right, great. But I, Rich, I'm not wasting a second round pick on Marshawn Lynch. You better believe that. Uh, Beers, uh, let, let me ask you, because you're someone that does a, a larger number of these than I do. I kind of hover around that 40, 40 range uh, per year to kind of keep my pulse on the draft throughout the year and still have some skin in the game. But now you're someone that does hundreds of these. Are you forcing any exposure on any players uh, just to build out your portfolio? Or is that something you recommend for people that want to, you know, invest to the level you are? No, no, I don't, I don't force anybody in there. I mean, it, the, the nice thing about doing a lot of them is, you know, at some point you're going to get exposure to somebody. I mean, you know, every draft is a little bit different. Um, and that's why paying attention to ADP is so important. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of guys that I like more than others. Um, but if I know that, um, you know, player A is currently 20 picks beyond his average draft position, and uh, player B is, uh, you know, I, I look at them the same, but he, he would be a reach. I'm going to take player A every time. You know, I'm going to take the value because I know he won't be there in the next draft. And the next guy might be, right? Um, and I'm going to be able to, over the, um, over the portfolio of these drafts that I've built, my average cost is going to be lower that way. Um, so I'm going to default toward the guy who, you know, who I know that I can who I won't be able to get as, um, as late the next time around. And that's kind of how I feel about Marshawn. You know, like, I feel like I missed the boat at this point. I mean, I, I got some shares of him a little while ago, but uh, now it's just not the time, you know, and maybe some bad news comes around and, um, you know, I'll be buying him again. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not even about Marshawn, you know, it's, it's about mm -hmm. the draft. It's about the price. Um, you the know, bad news I, is going to come for the people who draft Marshawn, by the way. That's going <laughs> to Like, I'm... Not going there. All right, let's go. Well, the on. people drafting him in the second round, yeah. There you go, guys. All right, let's yeah. go to our next topic. Rich, let's talk some rookies. We got Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. OJ Howard to Tampa. I'm high on OJ Howard this year. Leonard Fournette. He's going to Jacksonville. Dalvin Cook to the Vikings. We have some running backs there. We even got a tight end there. Rich, who are your favorite rookies that you're targeting in these best ball drafts? Yeah, so I mentioned, like, I'm a more of a risk-adverse redraft drafter, so, like, all these guys are going way higher than, like, I'm really comfortable uh, already at this point of the season where you already see. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a guy that is – he's basically a fringe RB1 in terms of ADP, which is pretty wild. I mean, 
Still better than Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, the, the Panthers have never finished in the top half of the league in percentage of team targets to go to the running back position uh, in Cam Newton's career. They've been 31st or lower in each of the past three years. There's kind of a chicken and egg argument there with like personnel and what they've had. But running quarterbacks have shown to never target like running backs frequently uh, in terms of uh, comparison to pocket passers. Just once in Cam Newton's career has running back eclipsed 40 targets in a season. I mean, McCaffrey also has to compete with Newton and Jonathan Stewart for touchdown opportunities on the ground. Uh, in a league like this on draft, that's not full PPR points. It kind of hurts his floor a little bit. Uh, he's going to be kind of like tethered to that receiving opportunity alone. If he can find the paint, uh, he's just someone that is going too high for me to take. But I mean, I'll try to like, I'll mix in some exposure if I can just here because I'm probably never going to own him like in any type of redraft league. All the other guys are kind of a similar boat. I mean, Mixon is probably my favorite guy because he profiles as the next, you know, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell type ceiling player. He's the guy that is 6'1", 228 pounds, can catch ball in the backfield, uh, has the size to be a feature back um, and be a dynamic player. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to touch any of that. It's not for my, you know, place, but I'm staying in just the fantasy lane here. Blinders, (laughs) trying to serve me. Trying to serve me here. Oh, I but thought I had listen, just a little one of those. Bit, listen, bit. man, I'm Amish horse on this one. I'm just gonna keep moving forward. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but you know, but in the, in the realm of possibilities, I mean, they they still got Jeremy Hill there, who is awful. He's been declining three straight years as a runner. But the one thing Jeremy Hill is still shown to be really good at is falling into the end zone from short yardage. I mean, I think he's tied for the league leading rushing touchdowns over the past three years and in rushing touchdowns inside the five. They still got Gio Bernard coming off an ACL, who can kind of be like that. Theo Riddick, if they want, you know, kind of be a guy they just use in like a to, to thwart Mixon's, you know, receiving ceiling in a sense and even when he comes back from the ACL injury. But on the flip side, he also has Geo coming off an ACL injury and has Jeremy Hill, who's not very good, and can run these guys out if he hits the ground running to start the year. Like it's in the range of outcomes to where he can be the next like all-purpose back that we covet. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy I'm, I like to mix in in these as well. And, um, uh, the last guy I'll talk about is uh, Zay Jones, who basically is free in these in all these drafts. I mean, Zay Jones was the fourth receiver taken in this draft, uh, pick 37 overall. He's got basically little competition for targets as, and to escalate up the depth chart. I mean, Andre Holmes is running with the runs uh, in, in minicamp. Uh, he, can get, he, can, he can blow past Andre Holmes and be the two there. They've got um, over 170 missed targets from the wide receiver position from a year ago. So, and 55% of their air yards are available from last year as well. So, I mean, he's basically going around like wide receiver 65. So, I mean, you can pack him on the end of your bench and just hope that you, that you hit. If you don't, so be it. I mean, he doesn't cost you anything. So, those are the kind of guys I'm looking at for the rookies. What about, what about you, Mike? Who are some of the rookies that you're looking at this year? Uh, you know, for the most part, I actually avoid rookies in these drafts. Um, you know, I try to get... Uh, to the extent that, um, you know, leagues are open before the actual NFL draft happens, I try to get exposure to rookies then because almost, uh, you know, across the board, once they find a team, they get more expensive. Uh, you know, guys like, uh, and, you know, Fournette and Cook uh, were going, you know, three to, three to five rounds um, earlier before the draft. Mixon was going like eight rounds. Uh, I mean, later. And Mixon was going like eight rounds later. You know, I, I try to sprinkle those guys in. But, um, you know, now they've all gotten so expensive, like Rich said. Uh, you know, I, I think I've taken Fournette once on draft. Um, it was at the end of the second round. It was, it was one of those Marshawn picks where I was just kind of like, eh, I don't like it, but I'm going to, you know, he's the last guy. <laughs> But, um, 
you know, the one the one who stands out for me actually uh, is um, on draft at least is uh, Dalvin Cook. So he's uh, he's just a little bit cheaper than the other guys in terms of McCaffrey and uh, Mixon and Fournette. Uh, he's going a few rounds later, and um, you know, there's competition there in Minnesota, and there's you know question marks um, around their offensive line. There's there's a lot not to like, but um, the opportunity I think is there for him to just take the job. Um, you know, uh, Jared McKinnon has uh, sort of let them down in his opportunity. Um, He's let all and, of us down. It's yeah, not, all it's of us. not exactly. just Minnesota. He has let <laughs> all of us left all of us down. Yep. Um, no, and um, and Murray's coming off an injury, so you know it, it just it looks like the, the touches could be there for him. Um, and, but there are, there's also a lot of downside. So again, it's the price that's driving me toward him and away from the other guys. I do like Mixon um, relative to the other top running backs in terms. You know, he's more of a third or fourth round pick in the drafts I've seen so far, as opposed to a second uh, or early third. But um, for the most part, I'm avoiding them. And um, wide receivers, I, you know, there aren't any guys I'm really looking at. Um, the tight ends, I'm completely fading. Uh, you know, there it's supposed to be a great tight end class, but historically, rookie tight ends just haven't done well. Um, you know, Hunter Henry was kind of the exception last year, um, and I'm not looking to make that bet. They're they're going in the early double digit rounds where you know I can get a much safer guy like you know Old Man Witten, who's going to you know get me nine or ten points uh, and is probably going to play every game. You know, somehow he does it, um, and you know it you're not looking at zeros with, with capped upside, um, which I, I think is what you have with a lot of those rookies. Real quick, uh, Rich, OJ Howard, yes or no? No, I mean, beer's ah! just kidding. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great, that's, man. Great. Uh, yeah. That's the problem is, I mean, they are, I, by the way, I'm just going to spend the like 17 weeks of me choosing the wrong tight end. I, I, I know how this story ends. Either that or I'll choose one or the other, and they'll both just have, like, 60 yards, five catches, and I'll just cry the whole time. All right. <laughs> what was that, Rich? Was, you're going to have Colby Fleener anyways. It's not going to That's a good point. What's the, bleeping, <laughs> what's the bleeping difference at that point? Just lock it. 50% Colby, 50% Jared Cook, and I'll use uh, O.J. Howard in my flex spots. Why not? All right, let's talk about regression candidates, Rich. We got – I mean – I kind of started to make a list and I go, I have no idea who these people think are going to regress. I've heard a lot of JHI talk. Um, we know Carlos Hyde, his role might get reduced. Who knows? DeMarco Murray is a year older now. Mark Ingram, they continue to hate for reasons that none of us will understand, I would imagine. Rich, who are your regression candidates this year? Yeah, I mean, there's some low-hanging fruit out there, like the entire Atlanta Falcons team. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, some guys that I think you can draft. I mean, or at least one guy I think you can draft his his partner in crime. You you won't you'll you'll be limited. You'll got to have a top seven or eight pick. But I mean, Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton is a guy I, I've just been frequently just been loving where he's at. I mean, you look at Dalton. He averaged seven and a half yards for pass attempt last year. Two hundred sixty-three yards per game. Both of which were the, they were the second best marks of his career behind his incredible 2015 season, which people kind of forgotten happened. But Dalton actually was really good the year prior as well. And he did that with essentially his three receivers, three best receivers missing most of the season. I mean, A.J. Green basically missed eight games. Eifert, another eight. Gio Bernard missed seven. Uh, Dalton also ran into some poor fortune in terms of touchdown passes uh, related to yardage, uh, which may, you know, have been tied back into all those injuries. I mean, he had a career low 3.2 touchdown rate, despite 
uh, despite uh, historical marks and yards per attempt suggesting he should have thrown another seven touchdown passes, given the amount of uh, attempts and yard, yards per attempt he had. Uh, they're coming into the season healthy now, the Cincinnati Bengals. They've added John Ross, Joe Mixon. Uh, they're going to have Green Eifert back to start the year. Um, and obviously Green, as good as he was last season prior to injury, A.J. Green was the number one in points per game in both scoring formats, major scoring formats last year before he was injured. And he was still ha having unlucky, you know, because – unlucky touchdown marks because of what we talked to with Andy Dalton. I mean, he scored on just 6.1% of his receptions. That's the lowest mark of his career after he scored on 10.8% of his receptions for his career prior. So, I mean, I still like, I'm, I'm, I like AJ Green a lot more than a guy like Mike Evans. Um, and you can still get him. You're going to have to pick him like the top eight pick, like I said, but Andy Dalton is, is my guy, man. I've, I've been scooping Andy Dalton as my QB two often. Oh, that even rhymed. I mean, how could you not want to do it at that point? Uh, Beers, <laughs> Who are you looking at as kind of a regression candidate, positive or negative? Uh, you know, there's an interesting one um, that people are talking a lot about. Um, so Tyreek Hill is, um, you know, his touchdown rate, he, you know, his big plays. It, it, you know, I wasn't touching him before, uh, you know, maybe a, a month ago or two months ago um, because of the potential for regression. I mean, the idea that he could repeat those kind of numbers on that limited volume well, it just seemed kind of crazy to me, and people were drafting him as if you know he would. Um, and then the you know, funny thing happened; he got more expensive because um, Macklin left, and then I started buying him. Uh, so now I'm actually a buyer of Tyree Kill, and um, I still think he can't maintain those same efficiency numbers, but I, he doesn't need to because there's uh, such a void there with Macklin gone. I mean, if he assumes the number one wide receiver role for that team. Uh, he's going to get enough volume that he can just he can absorb some regression on the efficiency and uh, particularly in best ball where I mean he's he's a threat to take it to the house on every single play I mean we saw it last year and that that isn't going to go away it may happen a little less often but uh, you know he's going to put up uh, you know a two touchdown week uh, multiple times this year I'm certain of it uh, and that's really what I'm looking for on these teams. Um, you know, I, again, you, I can get somebody else with a floor, you know, or, or, or three guys to provide that, you know, that Frankenstein floor. But um, so, you know, it's a weird case where he got more expensive and then I started buying him. It's usually the opposite. Um, in terms of um, another guy I like, um, I'm not sure if this qualifies as regression or what, but it can, um, we pretty much do. It. <laughs> so you're fine. Well, he was good. And then last year he was bad. And I think he's going to be good again. That's, that's regression maybe. Um, but Des Bryant is a guy I like, um, particularly in these draft leagues where, um, you know, with the, the half PPR, um, you know, one of the knocks on Bryant is that he's not going, like, he's not going to lead the league in targets. Um, he, you know, he, He's sort of capped at, you know, it's still over his numbers over 100. It's going to be, but it's not going to be, you know, probably in the top five. And that's fine for me. Um, you know, he he has a very high touchdown rate. And again, that's something people target as a, you know, unsustainable. Um, that's something that could regress. But, you know, he's he's the exception to the rule there. I mean, he has sustained a high touchdown rate over his career. Mm -hmm. And um I think they're going to throw more in Dallas um, with in the second year with Dak Prescott. He's healthy, which he was not last year. Um, and at the end of the second round, I mean, I probably have you know five teams on draft in the last uh, you know week that are uh, start out with Odell Beckham and Des Bryant, and I'm thrilled with that. You know, I mean, I, I I'm just going to rake in touchdowns just from those two picks. Um, so he's one of my favorite guys right now. 
Rich loves Des Bryant. Like, I think every week we did a show, Rich. You're just like, man, you got to play some Des Bryant. He's going to be unknown. Des is one of your guys, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it worked out the back half of the year. I mean, it, a lot of people, it definitely did. I mean, a lot of people looked at Des Bryant's season in totality, and we're still looking back. You know, one of my biggest bugaboos of, of fantasy coverage this time of year, and I love how excited we all get. But I hate – I actually loathe looking at forward and backwards on seasons as bulk products because – they don't tell, they don't provide any context. We're just looking at all these bulk stats uh, and saying, this is why you should draft this guy when fantasy football is inherently played week to week. And, you know, you look at Brian's season last year and it doesn't look good. I mean, it looks like he got burned, but Des Bryant helped you secure a lot of fantasy leagues. I mean, down the back half of the season, I mean, over the, uh, from weeks 10 through 16, he found some harmony. He caught 63% of his targets from Dak Prescott. Um, six of it, he had six touchdowns. He's a wide receiver war uh, four and scoring, uh, down the stretch. Uh, he had that big three touchdown game in week 16, which we know won your fantasy leagues. He even threw a touchdown. Uh, Jason Witten apparently can't catch touchdowns for anyone except for Des Bryant now. Uh, but yeah, hey, I mean, Jason Witten caught a very important touchdown for me. That's true. That yeah. is very oh, that was the most important. Him and Muhammad Sanu. I mean, you have do you have jerseys? Do you have Sanu and Witten jerseys yet? Or no? No, they don't sell them anymore. Oh, I, I, they, you know, it's like my Johnny Giamatella jersey. They just don't even sell them. So, you know, what do you Yeah, do? but I love the idea of Bryant in these leagues, too, where you don't have to pinpoint because uh, there is probably offensive regression in store for Dallas. Uh, they've got a pretty brutal passing schedule compared to last year. We know that strength of schedule is not always roll over for pass, but they play some really tough defense. I mean, they open with, like, the Giants, the Broncos, and he plays Patrick Peterson the first three games of the year. In a redraft, you take Des Bryant in the second round, like, you might get three kind of – bum games and your second round pick and you're kind of you know chasing chasing wins the rest of the year but in the best ball so be it you can wait to the soft spots and catch those touchdowns when they come because double digits are probably coming more likely than not no matter what uh you know he does week to week that's right get those ceilings guys it's been fun guys we're getting off here we we're it's football season kind of sort of <laughs> it's football season already it's always football season that's right baby Mike. <laughs> Us 87 games that are played <laughs> after 7 p.m. on a Tuesday or something. It's like crazy, and I can never keep up, but they always impress me, and they always help me because NFL, I finally win it a sport. It's great. Like here, it's been a blast, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, for sure. Rich, you glad to be back, baby? Oh, man, I'm so glad. This is – hey, listen, I don't have the – the, the the portfolio that you have so i mean i'm glad this is my one sport this is uh this is where i make my off-season fun money when you have three kids you got to have an avenue to your own money and this is the way i get it i love it guys that's gonna do it for the first edition of the pick six best ball edition so for rich for mike i'm eric we will see you guys later peace Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's.
Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 US only. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 Tool 20-volt Max Brushless Power Tool Combo Kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only.